You're listening to Attack the Pod, a podcast with news, views, and how-tos inspired by Amsterdam's biggest, biggest best, best, and most international triathlon and cycling club with your hosts, Neil and Matt. Here we are, podcast, it's unlucky number 13, Matt. I was going to say, should we skip it? Do we go straight to 14? <laughs> this is what they do in the, in the cycling. They turn, the, no one will take number 13, they turn it upside down. There's uh, quite a lot of hotels that have a 13th floor. That's true. Well, anyway, here, here we are, we made it to number 13. We're over a year old. It's uh, Attack the Pod. I guess uh, listeners could decide whether this is unlucky for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's been a very good thing. So, uh, yeah, so I'm Neil and I'm joined by Matt. Hello. And we don't have any guests today because um, we've run out of guests. We just yeah. don't have, yeah, we've expired. <laughs> <laughs> now we're, we're going to focus today on actually me for once. <laughs> we're going to focus on me again. Um, and we're going to talk about my a race of the season and how you prepare for a race um, then we're going to take in some member questions and we're going to have a, a, a chat about the, the Tour de France it would be it'd be sad if we didn't and um, and then talk about the Olympics and then that's us yeah should so be a good one let's do it Where should we start? Should we talk about one of the, the attack news? Should we talk about the Attack the Sun event? Yeah, that? let's go straight in. Yeah, so let's talk. So we did, this happened, this was our very first guest in the very first pod. No, was it? It the was, it was, yeah, Nick, it was Nick, our Nick. first yeah. guest, first pod. Yeah, so Attack the Pod came, was born last year during the pandemic where someone came up with, it's the Summer Solist. Yeah, summer solace, solace, something like that. So it's the, the longest, longest day. Yeah, that's the easiest way to the say. Longest it. Day. It's the longest day of the year, and I think Yoss came up with this last year. Yoss and Anna, Yoss and Anna, and um, it was how far can you go? How how far can you go in one day from sunrise to to sundown? Oh. And they done it this year. Uh, a couple of days later, I think. Um, because it fell on a Monday or a Tuesday and obviously people have work to do, apparently. <laughs> and so they've um, they done it on the Saturday and quite a lot of people went out and done this. So um, should, should we talk about the winners? Now, you know, people will say there's no winners and losers, but there is. There all, we always know, all, yeah. <laughs> we want to know who went the furthest. Um, Everyone's a winner, but some people are bigger winners. <laughs> so the bigger winners in this case. So let's talk about the record holder of the pre who, who set the record previously. And that was our first guest, Nick um, Evans. No, yeah. Nick Evans. He got 425 kilometers. I think 425, yeah. 425 yeah. last year. So 2020. And this year, well, fortunately for you, Nick, no one has taken your record. I think he laid down such a intimidating <laughs> sort of thing that no one even tried to get that close. That was right, yeah. And, and WhatsApp, he was pretending to be all, you know, I, I don't mind who breaks my record, yeah. but if you break it, someone's going to die. Or uh, you might die doing it. <laughs> no, but um, there were some great efforts. I think we should talk about the the winners, even though there's no winners. And that was uh, Lotte and Witze, the... Um, they they done three hundred and five kilometers. Yeah, it's a big one. That's and, a big uh, one. Covered most of North Holland, apparently. Yeah, I mean that's that's fantastic. Eleven hours forty five. Wow, that's a lot of riding. <laughs> that's a lot of riding. Actually, it was this time. It was th when they were doing this last year. You were doing your Ultraman, so that's you right. had a two hundred seventy five, a measly two hundred seventy five <laughs> yeah. kilometer. To be fair, uh, I'd done one hundred and fifty <laughs> the day before. So. <laughs> fair point. Um, and so yeah, and then we had in second place. By just three kilometers. Yeah, that is going to be gotten. That is good. <laughs> and they gave up by the looks of it because yeah. the time distance, the time difference here is uh, an hour and 15 minutes. I but. think they might have finished at a pub, which was a mistake. <laughs> they could have got an extra few kilometers in there. Yeah. So this is Christian and Tom. 
Um, they'd done this and they got 302 kilometers in a time of 10 and a half hours. Yeah. Now, Christian was telling me they made the mistake of doing a, a beautiful ride east through like uh, Hoy and, and everything and then came back down through Almira. Oh, <laughs> how, how that, gotten must that have been? Yeah, just nothing but straight and headwinds. Do you think, now Christian, this is a question to you, you can answer us in the group. Would you have continued and got another four kilometers if you'd known that you were only four kilometers away from getting the highest? That is the that is a question to you. Yeah. I want to hear that. Um, Rob Poles came in in a third place, two hundred fifty-one kilometers in eight hours fifty minutes. Yeah, nice, uh, nice route. It looks like also came back down uh, Liverpoolder. Ah, okay. I guess yeah. It seems everyone's been, uh, but it was a headwind. Did you say? Apparently so. Yeah. It's always a headwind. And then there was a group of people. I'm not sure I understand this first name. Maybe you can help. Is that the name of someone or is that the name of a team? Well, that's, a that's the name we got passed on. It looks like a Pokemon or something. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to go through all the names, but there was a few people that included, well, let's do it, right? Titan Yap, Pablo, um, Nico, Martin, Francesco. Um, they'd done 210 kilometers, which is also a great effort, eight hours and 40 minutes. Yeah, and they did a one wayer. So they just went ah. out. So they managed to hit Belgium and Germany oh, as well and then right. got the train back. Yeah, so, that's uh, pretty cool. They should yeah. get the sort of innovation award for that, the Definitely. imaginative. Um, and then Mai, she done uh, Mai, Mari, um, Marusha. Marusha, Michael, and Natasha. They did 100 kilometers in four hours. So well done. Nice. Went Very good job. Amsterdam to Castricum, Harlem, and then back to Amsterdam. I think that was the first uh, first century, or is it a century? I mean, officially hundred mile, it, isn't it? it? So, <laughs> but first it's hundred kilometers in, for a few uh, of them. In this, in the first Euro century in, in, in metric, the first metric uh, yeah. century. No, that's that's good. I mean, there was an award, um, like some of the awards that they were putting out there was that who could do the nicest shape? Because if you remember the previous year, um, Joanna done a flower. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had yeah. a real great idea in my head. <laughs> I don't I, know. I only have to say that and you know exactly what it was and I never got around to actually planning it, but um, I need to do that one. It would be brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's not dwell too much on that, but well done all of them. Thank would you. it by any chance have become a butterfly on the Tour de France? Uh, it would have been a rocket ship if you watched Bologna. <laughs> but you know, uh, you know about the guys whose job it is, because obviously... The, sort of the days before the Tour de France, you give a, a bunch of guys who have been on, had a few beers, uh, so, some spray paints or chalks ah, okay. on the road. You know what they're going to draw. <laughs> and uh, it, it's the job of a couple of people to go around the day before the tour gets there and turn them all into butterflies. Oh, really? Is yeah. that so? <laughs> so maybe, yeah, maybe we need someone. Someone would have have to come and, and make my ride into a butterfly. Yeah, exactly. I don't think anyone will get this, but if you do, then... Yeah, <laughs> you, won't, you won't be surprised to know that's what I was going to do. Anyway, um, some other uh, club news, cycling licenses, Matt. Yeah, so uh, Mady's been working on uh, getting some cycling licenses so so that the cyclists or, or triathletes that want to compete in cycling races will be able to get licenses through the club in the same way that you can currently get a triathlon racing license. So that would allow you to do all sorts of... Uh, of races throughout the Netherlands, sort of whether it's mountain biking, crit racing, uh, yeah, cyclocross. So, um, 
and also outside of the Netherlands as well. So you, you can use your, Nether- your Dutch license to race in, in other bike races outside the Netherlands that, and they, that require a license. They've made it more complicated now, haven't they? It they've made all the licenses simple. more complicated, yeah. both en- the triathlon ones and, yeah. the, and the cycling ones. But yeah. this will mean that you can get it pretty easily through the club. So hopefully it'll simplify the process. And I think one of the things that we discussed uh, as part of the, the sort of attack uh, leadership board was was sort of uh, making it a bit more accessible and doing some education pieces around sort of getting involved in bike racing. Because I think there's a lot of people in the club who maybe would like to or would think about it, but are a bit intimidated or, you know, they've only just got over the barrier of doing a triathlon and maybe are intimidated to then go and turn up on on the start line of a bike race, but maybe they shouldn't be. So we want to start to do a little bit more education around that, What you know, making that barrier a little bit lower for for getting people involved. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, and a quick reminder of some attack sessions. So Yeah, so obviously we're going great guns again now. Everything's open, everything's back to normal. We're allowed to, you know, go places without masks on and uh, all these different things. But I just want to give a, a bit of a shout out to uh, the Monday swim sessions. Um, they're currently still free at the swimming pool, the outdoor pool at, and I always get it wrong, Mercatorbad. Um, Mercatorbad, yeah. yeah. And it's not warm. Well, it's not warm. Um, so, should be now, uh, actually. It should be now. Yeah. No, I think it is. I think yeah. it's fine. Um, so they're free, 7 o'clock at uh, Bad on a Monday evening. So get involved there if you are looking for some pool swimming. And also, uh, I've been attending the Wednesday track runs um, at the uh, the run club at uh, near, near the Olympic Stadium. I always forget the name. Is it the Schinkel Sports Park? De- De Schinkel or yeah, something? Yeah, I'm not sure. I know the area is Schinkelbert. Yeah. Because uh, I looked at a house there when I first arrived here 10, okay. 10 years ago. Nice. Um, so I always remember the name of the area. but um, And they've been quite well attended, these sessions. Yeah, I mean, differing different days, but um, generally quite well attended. But they're really great sessions, really nice uh, atmosphere. Everyone pushes each other really hard. So again, everyone of all different abilities are welcome and will be catered for. The great thing about track running is that everyone gets to run at their own pace yep. and uh, sort of we get together as a group at the beginning, maybe the middle and the end, uh, and everyone gets to sort of push themselves, but at, sort of at their own limits or, or at their own paces. So, yeah. Um, yeah, just a word to sort of get more people there and, and turn up and uh, enjoy the sort of social elements of training together now that we can. Yeah. Okay. Right. Let's come on before we, so the, the, we're going to talk today about race preparation and um, what people should be thinking about when it comes to that. But I think before we get there, it wouldn't be fair to ignore the Tour de France or actually this, this is, I had someone tell us how we should, should, should say this in case we get it wrong. Le Tour de France. Can you guess nice. who that was? Is that an A? It was. Yeah. <laughs> I could hear the smile in her voice. Yeah, I know, you can totally hear. So, um, yeah, we're going to talk about... Le Tour de France. And, um, I mean, I wrote some notes down. And the reason I, that I wrote some notes down about this, because, one, because I could talk about cycling, especially the Tour de France, for, for two or four episodes of a podcast, but um, to keep me focused. But, two, there was, there's been so much going on. Oh, Jesus. Mean, Jesus. It's, it's, I remember last year... We all said that's one of the best Tour de France we've ever seen in our time, and uh, this could top it. Now, the result is, the result could be that the rest of the Tour de France becomes boring as well. It's been an uh, insane week, but maybe too uh, insane. Yeah, because yeah. it's it's not... Well, let, let's talk about it. I wrote down four things that I okay. want to, want I want to, to mention. Um, so first of all, um, stage one, we should talk about Alaphilippe's uh, effort. 
Um, and that uh, he he went, I think, maybe one and a half kilometers from the end. It was a slight sort of uh, uphill before the finish, if I remember correctly. He went all out on his. Yeah, he just went really early, made that effort and won the stage. And it was France. He's a French rider. He's the French sweetheart. Yeah. Um, and the Le Tour de France. And um, he he uh, yeah he won it in, in great fashion and great style and in his in his usual charismatic self. Yeah, I mean, perfect start. Yeah, so great start to the race. And then we move on from that. I think might even be stage two um, was where there was. The big crashes, the the clown that stood out in the road. Stage the one, the crash is started. Stage one yeah. is the crash, yeah. right? Sorry, so stage one is when when the um, big one happened. And the, well, sorry, the big two crashes happened, but yeah. then there were more to follow. Yeah, and then I think it was the following day there was the big crashes that that took uh, Geraint Thomas and Roglic uh, down. Um, I mean, Geraint Thomas he's on the deck and they're thinking, oh, there's a bit of a problem. Oh, he's back on his bike. It's all good. And they find out that he dislocated his shoulder, yeah. put it back in and it's like, right, I'm going for it. And he's still racing. And he's crashed twice more since. Yeah, he crashed today, I think. Uh, yesterday yeah. he was on the deck. Um, I mean, he's just hardcore. And <laughs> I mean, I, I can't even put it into words. He's, he's out of contention. He was one of the top four. Um, so you, you had Thomas... You had Roglic, you had Pogachar, and you had, I'm missing someone else that was a, a sort of top favourite. Who else we got in there? Uh, Carapaz. Yeah. Um, and yeah, two of them taking it. So Roglic fell later on in that same stage and it looked it looked like he just took a wee tumble to the side of the road, but then you see how bashed up he was after it. Yeah, he was uh, uh, mummified by yeah. bandages, right? He was covered in road rash sort of shoulder to knee basically yeah. everyone saying that crash is what's really um hampered his effort yeah do you do you agree with that yeah i do yeah yeah i i i it's so hard to think you know you think oh it was just a bit of road rash but as you say mummified you see like under his jersey he's like padded out like some sort of michelin man or something yeah like i think i think um, over the court and he like there's going to be so little sleeping done when you feel yeah, that's like that. And like these guys are on the edge of fitness and yeah. and sort of uh, over that edge, you know, yeah. the whole way through. I wonder how much of, so there's the physical part, which hurts me to look at, you know, never mind actually feeling it like he is, but I always wonder how mentally it impacts him. And that's why I was asking you that question. I just, I just wonder when you're going up the hill and you, you know, is your mindset so wrong that you're, it has an effect as well. I mean, could there, be. Yeah, it could well be. As a contributing factor. I mean, he, he was screwed on and he tried and, and now he's out, which is a, which is a shame. So, so no get it, Thomas, uh, in contention. Roglic is out. Um, uh, Vanderpool is his left now to go he's to the got, Olympics. He's after. gone, but what a, what a glorious few days he's in he had for. six or six days in yellow. Oh, fantastic. Um, was, uh, after Philippe, that was the, uh, yeah. the big story. And, um, I guess say that his his performance on the second stage was possibly the second best thing I've ever seen on the bike after yeah. him winning the Amstel Gold. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He is absolutely fantastic. I, I love the way he races, and uh, to have to ha not only the power and the ability, but the balls to go up that climb. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get the bonus seconds, wait around, and then do it again. But there is, to win there the is, stage. there is some people saying, you know, he could go all out because he knew he was leaving the tour anyway. Um, and they, 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 
you know, it's true, but sprinters do that. Yeah, I know. You know. But they, they, they asked Johan Brunel, who's uh, Lance's uh, old director sportif, uh, he's got many um, wins under his belt, whether legit or not is for another another podcast. But he, um, he, he was saying it's perfectly legit. Like, no one will have any problem with that, even yeah. the organisers of the race. Um, so, so they'd be fine with that. But he also reckoned if him and... Um, who's his little shadow, uh, Wolfgang Art, if they could, if they would devote three years to uh, to the Tour de France, they could be in contention to win, which is an interesting theory. Yeah, he'd have to lean up quite a lot and yeah, yeah, uh, change yeah. his body shape. I, I just don't think, I think Van Art maybe in a few maybe years' time. Maybe it's Van Art he was talking about. I'm, it's just because I associate but, uh, them both together. Yeah, so close on everything. <laughs> Van der Art. <laughs> but I think Van der Poel, like, he loves mountain biking. Yeah, cross, that's what he's going to do. So he's left to go to the Olympics yeah. to do it. And I don't think you'd biking. get that level of devotion from him without, is it, that sort of um, sort of switching codes all the time is yeah. what makes him such a great rider. His bike handling, his, his yeah. power, and keeps him fresh almost and able to do these things one one day after another and to do these sort of superhuman things. I, yeah. I also have a little bit of a problem when, um, and it it comes this time of year, right, when we're looking at these, when we're looking at these uh, great rides and we're kind of like, oh, what would it take to be, you know, could could this person be, a great GC contender. Whereas like, he's a brilliant classics guy. Can't we just celebrate the fact that he's a, and the same well, with, that's, uh, that's the questions you want to ask, right? I mean, if you look at, look at Roglic, he was a, he was a skier. He was a long, uh, a sure. long, um, high, what do you call ski it? Ski jumper. A ski jumper. That's it. He was a ski jumper. Yeah. Um, you want, I mean, I don't think anyone watched him jumping and saying, gosh, he could win the Tour de France. But people, you want to see them transition from something to the other first. I mean, I don't Maybe, know, but I think you see Van der Poel transition on doing, you know, from various yeah, different bikes. Cyclocross to mountain bike. Throughout and he, the year. Winning, he wins stages. And I also think from a roadside, what's, what's wrong with him being a, what's wrong with him being a puncher or a, a yeah. classics guy? What's wrong with him being a sort of, uh, I've, you know, even a sort of like a breakaway kind of guy. That like, is where some of these people begin. You know, some of them maybe. do win the classics and then move well, on. I mean, G was there as well, and, but yeah. I think he was probably, he's by moving across and trying to be a GC contender and also uh, trying successfully, obviously, yeah. <laughs> but he's probably denied himself, you know, probably a, a Liège, probably yeah. a Paris-Roubaix. Like he, he could win. He, he was the kind of rider that could win those races. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see him go and do that now. I think have a couple of seasons before. Do you think he could win the Tour de France again? No, no, I don't think so either. Um, okay, so that was one of my things. Another two things: that Cavendish. I mean, uh, Mark Cavendish. Who saw I, that coming? No I, one no, saw that coming. Do you know? I was one of the people that never thought he didn't. I never wrote him off. What I noticed a few years ago when he was doing the tour and and he was losing stages rather than winning them, where he would have them hands down, was his mind was on his family. You know, he was talking about the baby. One of yeah. his, I think it was his first child had been born. He was just completely distracted. And then there was a bit of illness in him and a bit of illness with his wife. And, you know, he's had a, a rough couple of years and he's had a lot of doubters and haters. But his ability for me was always there. So I, I was not a, a naysayer, but I think... I um, thought I thought it had moved on. Yeah. I thought the sport moved on. I thought, I mean... I always thought if he could get his head in the right space, which he clearly has, yeah. um, then he still has the talent. But I mean, he's even a, at that age, he's 32. Five, six, yeah. six. He's an artist as well. Like he's not the biggest power guy, 
but the way he moves through and he, the way he chooses his time and the way he knows which wheel to or how to go off the wheel at the right time, like you can't, you know, you can't really teach no that. No one as, can rival yeah. him. No one so, can rival uh, him. The only thing I'd say is maybe, you know, we've lost a couple of big sprinters. So I wonder, <laughs> I mean, and that's, you know, that's half of the race as well, right? Like surviving is, uh, yeah, I mean, is so there, he, but if Caleb not, Ewan was still in the race, yeah. if, uh, if, uh, so he Murray was out in a crash as well. So, so Caleb Ewan is a big sprinter as well. He yeah. hurt himself. He broke his collarbone in a crash. Yeah. Um, but what, what we're talking about is some people don't make the time cut, usually sprinters, and they get dropped out the race. And yep. I think seven, oh, they got seven, seven yeah. people um, had to leave the race on Sunday or so. Cav didn't. And that, I think, is unbelievable in itself because Cav got called up the day before or something. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, do you want to come and race the tour? And he's like, I'm there. He hadn't been training on the hills. He never thought for a minute yeah. he was going to be. And he made it over that time cut by a minute and a half. That was it. Um, and then won this. Have you seen it today? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then he won the stage yeah. today. And, and textbook fashion yeah, i mean i perfect. remember seeing seeing wins like that you know lead out trains like that years years ago um and it's it, it was textbook so yeah we could look and say is it because there aren't any rivals and stuff but i, I think he's in a different class and i'm not sure you mentioned something about him not having the power i, I don't know I, i'm not so sure i mean he's not he was a track cycle. He's a silver medalist on the track. Yeah, but um, he, he almost got dropped as a youngster because his numbers aren't great. He, right. he defies, if you look at the power numbers yeah. that he puts out compared to he's other sprinters. He's not going to be Chris Hoy or anything. But yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but he's very... Maybe that's if he can make it over the hills then. Maybe he's got a bit of a hybrid. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, like strictly speaking, he doesn't put out the the exact same yep. numbers as some of the bigger sprinters. Like but Sagan he's he's got that great sort of position over the front of the bike, super aerodynamic. Mm. But he just, it goes to show that, that it's not always, cycling isn't a fitness competition. There, yep. there is a strategy, there's tactics, there's yep. there's an art to it. And that's yep. what I really like about Cav is he is like the great sprinting artist, you know. So he's one away from the all-time record of Eddie Merckx of 34 happen. stage It's going to happen on the Champs. Do you think he's going to get... 34 or 35? I mean, I know what I want. Like I was, I was, you seen him win his first stage. I could, I, I was like, you know, just so happy to get, he's one away from matching the record yeah. and he's two away from beating it. And you know, that will not be beaten again. And how many, goodness, I think we've only got a couple of sprint stages left. No, I think there's potentially, there's more. Oh really? Yeah, I think so. It's, it's all to do with his form getting over the hills and what shape he's in. So I think there's one on Thursday, yeah. but they might. Um, Tomorrow's a big day. Tomorrow's a huge day. But today had a, a categorized climb, I think. I mean, I don't know. Let, let's not talk about it too much because it is a triathlon podcast, but I, I, I think to see Cav's performance, if he gets 34, or even better 35 and beats the record I feel sorry for the winner of the Tour de France because it's going to be all about Cav I'm afraid yeah, <laughs> and on that let's quickly talk about the domination of uh, Tajay P P Pogacar um, he won it last year in the, in the nth hour at the, at the last minute amazing rider he was 20 years old last year youngest rider in about 100 years of the Tour de France he stepped absolutely it up. <laughs> I mean he is he, he's laughing he's smiling on, on, on stages that he's riding away from he's people. doing a different sport to the <laughs> yeah, rest of them he really is it's insane uh, it's just to watch him I don't think anyone can come close um, watching him go up uh, up the climb which climb was it the other day the, but he was like up to Teen, I think this is when Ben, ben right. O'Connor won. Ten percent incline yeah. into a headwind, and yeah. he was in his big ring. <laughs> yeah, and he was smiling. Yeah, um, and he's he's just 
I mean, he's he's uh, you'll hear a lot of it in the commentary and the various podcasts, but he's so mature for his age and oh, his racing. Yeah. There's no, he's so composed. I think uh, we have to hope for a fit and uh, firing uh, Bernal and Evanapool next year to yeah. to see if we can yeah. make a race of it. Because if not, he's uh, his name's on there for a few years. I think so, and I, 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 he's in a different class. And the time trial as well. He'd done a time trial. He won the stage, and his radio wasn't even working, so he didn't have the splits. He didn't know if he, he just and he just went for it. So amazing rider, but let's not, uh, I, I could, we could do a whole podcast on the, on the Le Tour de France. And so we should mention actually that we have, so with uh, Pogacar, he is in yellow and they call that. Le maillot jaune. That's what it is in French. Very nice. That's the yellow jersey. Thank you. Le maillot jaune. So there you go. Anyway, enough Tour de France. We're going to talk about race prep. I have a, an A race uh, coming up. I have a... Um, I'm going to do an Ironman 70.3 in Estonia, which looks like it's going ahead. So tell us about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, really. I was There was part of me sort of hoping it wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> and we got an email about four weeks ago, and they're like, it's it's pretty much going to happen. And I was like, oof. Um, I, I was feeling okay about all of this, and then I've spoken about it a few times, hurt my foot in February, and mm -hmm. I've, I've not got the running miles that I would have liked to have, not even close. Other than that, I feel I feel okay about it. You know, it's... it's and when is it? Yeah, so, sorry, so it's the first week in August. I think it's the 9th of... I don't want everyone to know. <laughs> <laughs> but we're about four not weeks that people out people will remember. Yeah, that's fine. So I think it's the 9th of August. It's in yeah. Tallinn, in Estonia. It's a fairly... Uh, it's a lake swim. It's a fairly flat bike stage. I think there's a couple hundred meters of climbing, which is good. But um, Brian was telling me today the run. You've done the run, I think. Well, actually, I checked out. We're going to get onto this, but I checked it out, and it's a different course to last year. Ah, okay, so, they've, they've adapted yeah. it. So the run has about uh, 20 meters of climbing per lap, and I think there might be four laps. I'm not sure. I done Cascais a few years ago, and it was the same. It had quite a, a yeah. A, it was more of a gradual climb, but you know, such as life. I'm looking forward to it. I feel okay. The run is going to be a problem, as it is for any event for me but it's going to be more of a problem just due to the the lack of volume I think but other than that I'm, I'm really looking forward to it I don't have the apprehension I had when I done my first one a couple of years ago yeah which is good like <laughs> I, I don't have the I was really like can I finish can, can I, I do finish? this yeah, yeah whereas now I feel a bit pumped for it the only thing that's annoying me as I say is the run and that I might not beat my yeah. previous time but that's just the way it goes there's not a lot I can do about that now and so what we thought we'd do is that um, with sort of all the athletes that I coach yep. coming up to the sort of race day and, and a week or two out usually, so that maybe this is a little further out, but thought this could be useful, is we'll sit down and either have a coffee and go through this or, or have a call. And we go through kind of like the plan for the race and, yep. and all that time around the race. And what we thought would be interesting for this episode was that we do this on the podcast and we talk yep. about Neil's race, yep. but also maybe sort of, um, you know, extrapolate that out a little bit to, to sort of, uh, how that might apply to everyone else's race so that you can apply it yep. to your own race. Yeah. And we've got a lot of questions about this. Yeah. So it's clearly yeah. on people's minds. And I think, uh, just a few sort of like, uh, <laughs> a few provisos to start with, you know, I'll make my excuses early, but, um, <laughs> I think like, so we're talking specifically sort of a 70.3 here and Paul yep. will try to add some sort of levels of learnings for different, yep. for different distances. Um, but what I'd say is that these probably apply mostly to kind of your A race for the season or, yep. or one of your A races, not yep. necessarily just turning up for the local sprint, unless that yep. is your A race, you know, yep. but you're the main race that you're focusing on that year. Yep. And also we're assuming that you've maybe gone a couple of races under your belt already. 
Um, and probably also assuming that, you know, this will apply to 95% of people, but if you're a, I don't know, an athlete that's aiming to get to Kona or something, <laughs> then maybe things might be sort of tweaked slightly differently for you. We're talking to the majority here. Yeah, I'm hoping to qualify here. You know that, right? I've, I've got you down. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. So it's worth mentioning, you, you say there, um, uh, that you've got a couple of races under your belt. You mean in general, you don't necessarily mean this year because no, no, no one no. has any yeah, races exactly. under their belt no. this year. No, of course not. Uh, but Rotterdam is happening on Sunday for those, uh, uh, this coming Sunday. We've got so some races really? starting now. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully in the next few weeks and even in the next podcast, we might have a few uh, people yeah, to talk about yeah. racing. But yeah, so, uh, and also this is going to be in no particular order. So, you know, it's it will take each sort of one as a bit of a subject. And, yeah. and we'll probably do a little uh, sort of a, uh, make it a little broad here and there because there's quite a few subjects to go through when you're looking yep. at your race. Yep. If any of them are really interesting, then we can, you know, potentially do a, a follow-up podcast and we deep dive into any of these, but yep. let's uh, see how this goes. Okay. So let's, how should we start? Should we start with where should I be right now? And we're kind of yep. going, going ahead to the, and your training plan. <laughs> <laughs> so exactly. let's take that out. So let's talk about yeah. So I, I, I'm doing this uh, four weeks now. Uh, yeah. So you're right deep in your specific, spe uh, the specific phase of your training plan. Yeah. So that means that most of your training is starting to look or is looking uh, uh, quite like racing. I'm a lot more tired. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's about right. <laughs> like genuinely, yeah. I, I'm a lot more tired. Yeah. So um, this is like the... Not necessarily the hardest. Sometimes the build can be harder because that's when you're laying down the fitness. But this is when a lot of the sessions, you're looking at race intensity. So, or even above potentially, but definitely race intensity. So you're looking at more and more riding at kind of that, that half Ironman intensity, which is harder than your average zone two endurance yep. ride. Yep. You probably, so that's why you get tired as well, because you're probably looking at similar rides, like two, three, four hours, mm. but significant portions of them yep. are at zone three, right? Rather than zone two where you yep. were before. Yeah, so, I'm enjoying it. I have to be honest. It, yeah. it gets me in the, the zone <laughs> to yeah. use that word, but it, it's, uh, it gets me kind of pumped and it's different this time. Cause the last time I was enjoying it, but I, there was too much unknown. I'd never done a half yeah. and I was, I was panicking as you know, I was like, yeah. can Whereas I do it? Now I know I can do it. It's yeah. just, can I beat my old time with my so lack of running? It's a different kind of yeah. stress or a different yeah. thought process. Yeah. And, and I'm really liking it. And yeah. I, but yeah. So, but then, so we've got four weeks to go, but then we're, we're going to look at sort of, because you um, had an injury and that took you out of running for a while, we're going to take you quite close before tapering. Yeah. And so one of the questions we had was around tapering, right? Yeah, it came from Ian, I think. When to taper? When do we taper? Okay, so for the, the, I'm going to say for you, because we're because uh, you're fairly fresh in terms of running at least, and yep. running being the the sport which sort of beats you down most. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to look at a one week taper into a seventy point three. Yeah. And to be honest, most people, I think one week is a one week to ten days is good for a seventy point three. Probably take that out to two weeks yep. for a full distance, and then if we go the other way, uh, an Olympic. A week to five days. So I'm going to be tired for longer. You can have a couple more days, a couple more weeks. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. But then you, basically what we want to do is sort of, um, we'll, that last weekend before your race will be hard, but not too hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the, during the next week 
before your race. You can be bringing the volume down quite a lot, but mm. keeping some intensity in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you're doing an Olympic, you could do a week as well, maybe five days. And to be honest, if you're doing a sprint, even if it is your A race, three or four days is plenty of taper for that. You don't yeah. need to be tapering too much for something like a sprint. Yeah. So, um, and when it comes to, yeah, just make sure there's a tendency to sort of drop the volume and the intensity. You don't want to be doing that. So what I like to do is, is potentially even as the volume comes down, you might be doing sort of much shorter reps, but the reps are going to be at maybe 5% above your half Ironman effort instead mm -hmm. of even at half so Ironman So more effort. intense. So a little bit more intense there. Yeah. We're not looking at like VO2 max. We're not looking at like really smashing you, but like well, keeping that intensity. News. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of a little higher. So that's kind of roughly, and the taper we could do a whole show on, but roughly yep. speaking, I think that's sort of, what we're looking at. We're yeah. going to bring your volume down for a week before race day. That makes sense. Okay. So as you said, in no, in no particular order, we'll just sort of put some stuff down here. So yeah. this is something that people ask. And I think there was a few questions about this as well is like, what about food in the days um, ahead? You know, what, what, what should you do? What should you not do? How do you look at nutrition and hydration? I spoke to you about this actually a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I've, I've I used to use one product and one product only, and that was Goo, GU Labs gels. I don't know what people call them, Goo, GU. Goo, yeah. Um, I like them. I like them because they've got interesting flavors and they're, they're, they're meant to not have much artificial stuff in, uh, in them. But I, I was struggling to get a hold of the ones I wanted, and, and then I, I just started trying other stuff. So I went to Decathlon and got a whole load of stuff and things like that. Now is the time to be, or well, ideally earlier, but you, you want to be trying this stuff out long before yeah. your race. You don't want to be trying this stuff out the week before your race. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I think nutrition, let's split that into two sides. So you've got your normal everyday food yeah. and we can make that really simple. Don't carb up. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, don't yeah. go crazy. Yeah. Eat normally all yeah. the way through. Um, well, what are you talking now? Are you talking I'm a talking, week before the race? I'm yeah. talking, yeah, maybe, yeah. Or, or definitely, let's say two to three days before the yeah. race. Yeah, it's one thing it's I was always, and it's one thing I was always told, and you've told me several times as well, is don't change anything. If, if for whatever reason you would usually eat a burger and fries before your go race, for it. go yeah. for it. Yeah. But don't, don't say, oh, I've got a big race, I'm going to eat, yeah. uh, you know, Four fish, fish, and yeah, <laughs> because it could really mess your stomach yeah, up. Yeah, and overcarbing can. Yeah cause all sorts of problems yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. So I'd say like, yeah, you might want to sort of, if you think of that dial in the middle, maybe nudge it towards a little carbier. Yeah. Um, also maybe nudge that dial away from a bit of fiber. Yeah. So you, it's a good excuse to actually drop the vegetables and eat, yeah. the, eat the pasta a little bit more, yeah, yeah, yeah. but don't change anything massively. Yeah. And then don't, don't be eating stuff that you wouldn't normally eat. I think exactly. The, Just stay, the, keep on your normal thing, diet yeah. the and whole don't, time. Don't eat a burger and fries. <laughs> you know what? If, if it works for you, it works for you. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Only if it's tried and tested. Yeah. But yeah, the yeah, idea yeah. being is that you yeah. eat what you would normally eat. Don't, don't go don't for like, don't it. go like, whoa, fancy a spicy, a spicy curry tonight <laughs> for the first time. Yeah. That's going to be bad news. And that's so, a really good tip because I, I did that in Portugal and actually my stomach, I don't usually have any yeah. stomach issues, but it was fine for the race. And and if you're not sure and you're traveling to a race, so, you know, you go into Estonia, you know, yep. I didn't know what Estonian food was like till I'd been there, but like, uh, I just went for something really, you know, uh, chicken schnitzel and fries. Yeah, you know, I, I just pretty, knew what it was. It was simple. Yeah. wasn't going to like, you know, I wasn't going to leave a five-star Yelp review on it, but <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. So like, to I what knew what know. it was yeah. um, and it did, it did the job. Yeah. Um, one thing and that you can look to do is if you've got an early race the next day is maybe for the, the day before, 
just move your meal times a little earlier. Mm. So you might want to get up earlier, have breakfast a bit earlier, have lunch yeah. a bit earlier, have dinner a bit earlier. Yeah, this is the thing, you're getting up early anyway. I mean, these yeah. races are beginning at like 6 a.m. and yeah. stuff. So I've always, I've not, I, I struggle with that, you know, eating breakfast eating at 4 a.m. and stuff. It's yeah. just messed up. That's something on the long-term nutrition thing to, to think about those. Like start maybe a couple of those rides in the few weeks before thinking about like, well, can I, you know, you don't have to start at 6 a.m., but can I maybe do a 7 a.m. start mm. to my long bike ride yeah. and then see what I can get in beforehand? Yeah, so, I try and do that anyway. But the truth yeah. is with my eating is that it's like a military operation in the morning that, yeah. so that I can get as much time in my bed as possible. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm eating and then I'm out on the bike. You know, I, and I, I have I'll the keep same thing of uh, I, I don't love eating the minute I get out of bed, yeah, I but it. I know on the race day I'm going to have to. So yeah. for a few weeks beforehand, I'll be like, I know things that like, uh, like, what do you call it here? But basically rice pudding, right? Mm, like you yep. can buy here, like the cream rice mm -hmm. kind of thing yep. or porridge, yep. that kind of thing. It's something I can travel with. It's really easy. Yep. It's super carby and it's really easy to make. And I know I can just about stomach it in the morning before I do something. Yeah. So I'll start to practice with that a few, yeah. a few days before. It's one of the uh, things sorry, that I've done before. generally over the last year or since September, I've never eaten breakfast right up until, yeah. until a year ago. Um, and now I actually have a breakfast every morning. It's been a big change and yeah. it's really helped me. But So I'm better at it, but it's especially like first thing in the morning, I hate eating. I absolutely oh. hate it. But so so that's sort of eating in the days and, yeah. and, and, and then, hours ahead, but then you've got nutrition well, on, the, on the race. Just add to the, the day ahead, maybe like don't go crazy, but having something like a sports drink just to start like a bit of electrolytes in there, especially if it's particularly warm the day or two before. Mm. Don't go mental. You don't need five of them, but maybe just <laughs> instead of having a glass of water, you have a glass of sports drink, okay. you know, with your lunch or something. That's just an odd, odd choice. But yeah. yeah. Help uh, with the electrolytes or whatever it might be. Okay. Um, and test that. And for a 70.3, that. uh, that's fine. You don't even need to think about salts and electrolytes after that. You're going to be grand, yeah. you know, on the day. Then when we get to the day itself, and we had a lot of questions, I think about Nutrition, what should you carry? What shouldn't you carry? Should yeah. you take off the course? Should you? Yeah. Now let's work this back. Sprint, don't worry. You don't need anything. Yeah. An Olympic, you might need a gel or two. I'd take a gel maybe at the end of the bike or halfway through the bike and then carry one on the run in case you're dying yeah. and you feel like you need that extra kick. But it's all gel. Just think about gels, nothing else. That's all you're going to go for. Now, 70.3 and going up to full distance. This is both people overthink and underthink this at the same time. So overthinking, basically watch anything by Lionel Sanders in the last few weeks. <laughs> like the, the man can overthink anything about nutrition. Like he's the only one that's running with a sports bottle of uh, concentrate on his, on, his, uh, on his body sort of during the marathon. But um, People also underthink it in terms of what can I take, what can't I take. And to be honest, ultimately, there's no excuse, right? Mm. People that say you can't carry enough or, or whatever, put it this way. If you empty 30 gram gels, which are 30, 30 grams of carbs and they're or 32 grams of fluid into a drinks bottle, you'll get 20 of them into a drinks bottle. That's going to get you through an Ironman. Yeah. Right? At, at 90 to 100 grams an hour. So and you add a little bit of water and you shake it all up and it comes out and it's disgusting, but it'll get you through. And this is where the overthinking it comes in. It's not meant to be good. It's yeah, not meant to taste yeah, good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's yes, not a look for the stuff. thing that sits well in your stomach and that yeah. comes about 
exactly what you were saying before, practice it, it. make sure you're doing it in training, make sure you can take that amount on and also build up. You want to be, I would say aiming for 90 to 120 grams of carbs an hour on the bike. Now, some people would say that's just not possible. And even if you can find the product that the body just can't process that, what do you say to that? Uh, they, traditionally, they said 60, then the science went to 90. And nowadays it's been shown. It has to be linked, I think, with multidextrose or something. It has to be linked with a certain... You need multiple fr- types of sugar. Yeah. So you need sucrose and fructose yeah. sort of combination. Yeah. But um, So this is something that I've been doing and I spoke to you about it anyway. Yeah. I've been trying to... Because usually I wouldn't... I don't tend to use sports drinks or, or gels um, in training, but I know before an event I'll start building up. But actually the last three weeks or so I've been trying to get more carbs in for every every ride yeah. or, or sport thing to to get used to that to yeah. try and get me up to that but it's not always easy I mean nope. you have to I mean I remember I've still got the timer on my computer since um, my bike computer since the previous race and that is a reminder every 45 minutes to eat otherwise I forget yeah so um, I'd have it even know. more often than that yeah I'd, I'd, I have a like every 15 minutes yeah a take, gel? A, take a sip Oh, no, no, yeah. a drink. This yeah. is not a drink. Gosh, uh, no, no, no. This no. is a gel. This is like yeah. to, to, to supplement it because if I just take a drink over an hour, I don't think, I think that's only getting me some like 30. Depends on what you're using. Carbs, yeah. But they, if you want the really dense stuff, so I'd either say, uh, Beta fuel. Get, get the gel that you like most, find yeah. the flavor you like most, put it into a, uh, like oh. do, do the maths. So three an hour. Yeah. Put them into a bottle, add a tiny little bit of water in there, mix it up. And you'll be able to drink your gel. That sounds rotten. But you're right. You're not supposed to like it. it doesn't, it's, it's not about like, uh, it's not about enjoying it. No one comes off the bike going like, I wish that was another hour. Because <laughs> that was a beautiful one. So, but it, it's about like thinking about yourself in those terms. Like you're a machine, fuel the machine, right? Mm, yep. For that time. And yep. um, the important thing is that it doesn't upset your stomach. And yep. that, uh, an element of taste goes with that, right? If, it, if yep. you find it disgusting, chances are it's going to upset your stomach. Yep. But you know, you want to find the taste or the consistency that works best for you in that way. And then think about who you are as a person, your preferences. I want to go, I'll go pretty much all, uh, definitely for half. I want all fluid or all, all liquid, sorry. And a full, I might add a bar of something just because it's a long day and my stomach Mm. wants something to sort of settle it just to, you know, fuel the hunger a little bit at one point. So Do I might just add one. you find it difficult to eat it though? I find with solid stuff. It can be I'm, difficult, it's, yeah. It's, it's a great idea until you've actually got to do it. Yeah. And you're like, oh man, I just, I, I can't actually find the the muscle memory to swallow this, yeah. this yeah, whole, yeah. this solid That's object. That's why I prefer liquid as much yeah. as possible. And I yeah. might carry solid as a backup almost, mm-hmm. but I'm not relying on that yeah. calories. But yeah, so you've got gels, then the likes of Beta Fuel or Mountain, which are, yeah, yeah. they're pricey, but- they are good. Like one bottle is an hour. Yeah, so I've been for, using that. Uh, you know, a five hundred mil weeks. bottle. So carry two, like uh, two seven fifties. Yeah, and then you've got three hours of your bike. So then, yeah. so that's three packets of mountain or beta or a combo, whatever. It's not very nice, the beta fuel. Again, I keep saying this, and yeah. you keep saying it's not supposed I quite to be like nice. It, though. It's nice for say half a a bidon, <laughs> half a bottle, yeah. and then you. 
by that point, your hands are sticking to the bottle. Oh, yeah, for, it's no glued matter, to you, no essentially. How, <laughs> yeah. how hard you try to not get that shit on your hands, yeah. it's all over your hands. And it's it, it just gets worse. It just gets worse. So I but was, it's pretty effective. I'll go with, or oh, my last time I had one bottle of, or a big bottle of uh, Martin, a big bottle of Beta Fuel and a couple of gels, because then I could at least, like, go between them. Yeah. So it's like, a, the, you get a little bit, of, especially for the longer, I, I don't think for 70.3 so much, but it, over the course of a five, six, seven hour bike. But 70.3 for, for some people, including me, is quite long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, three, three and a half hours, yeah. four hours, sure. Like it, but I think for that amount of time, you can get over that sort of, um, yeah. like sort of a taste fatigue, you know? Yeah, I was going to yeah, yeah. And then there's the, you can have like, I guess, gel fatigue, like you're just sick of them. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a question, I think, from Frankie um, or someone regarding, you know, taking the the organizer's gels or yeah. taking your own and is there a trade-off to sort of keeping it on yourself versus the benefits of lighter weight and more aerodynamic, you know, you know have, have so it So in terms of the on the course versus taking yourself, what I'd say is look at what they're giving on the course. You can find out way beforehand. Yeah, like it's, usually, four, it's in the pack. Weeks, it's usually in the, take a look. the information. It's yeah. usually something like Power Bar. Yeah. Um, if that's something that you like and are comfortable with, make sure that's what you're carrying with you yeah. on the day. And then also use what's on what you're able to pick up. That's fine. Supplement yeah. it that way. For me, I've always hated the stuff. I don't like Power Bar stuff. It just yeah. doesn't work for me. It makes me want to gag. <laughs> Like, which again, I can think about, you know, just put it in, but if it actually makes me want to vomit, that's not going to end well. So <laughs> I know it's just not an option for me. So I think about it as not an option Yeah. when it comes to, when we had this sort of like, and they usually always have fruit It's worth mentioning. Like I think in my run, I just yeah. took the fruit, you know, there's on the run. Yeah. It's a whole different there. thing. I think yeah. you just take what you need as you, as you go. And, and I, I think you can do a combination there of sort yeah. of maybe carry a couple of things that you know are going to work for you. Yeah. But what they will do for those, so I think Mai is doing her first 70.3, yeah. they, they will give you bottles on the on yeah. the on the bike. So that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, Do you exactly. take their bottle or do you try and store your own? So but I take water only and then I'll take my own energy because I, I don't want to be dependent unless I know I can use their fuel, you know, the fuel. I think for a 70.3, there's no reason why you can't carry yeah. all your... You could have two seven. You said it earlier. You it's could two have two seven fifty. Yeah, exactly. Two seven fifty bottles. With yeah, a really unless you pour all your gels and it's one bottle. Yeah, and then I'd have two bottles or one bottle of of uh, carbs, mm. and then I'd pick water from them as yep. I go. Yeah, okay. um, that would be the sort of recommendation there. And when it comes to sort of aero versus weight versus. I it's maybe applicable to Frankie, but not to us. I say, it, it, it's a pointy end thing, <laughs> yeah. I think, of the field. I think for most people, you're going to lose more, way, way, way more time by bonking and yes. running out of fuel Gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. than you're yeah. going to lose by like adding an extra point something in your CDA or uh, yeah. adding an extra sort of, or, you know, losing an extra point, I don't know, five watts or whatever it is, or adding an extra little bit of weight to your bike. Yeah. They, in fact, even at the point end of the field, that that remains true. It's just assuming that you're able to dial in every other thing. If you're able to dial in your nutrition, and then that's still a choice to make, and it's a hilly course, maybe then definitely that might be a consideration there that you want to take on. Yeah, but not but, applicable to ninety nine percent of yeah, the riders in attack. Exactly of the, the racers and, in attack. And mostly triathlons aren't that hilly compared to like a bike race. Yeah. So therefore, weight doesn't have a much of an issue. If you yeah. have to choose anything, choose aerodynamics yeah. over weight first. Okay. So another one, knowing the local area. 
Um, knowing the area, knowledge, maps, transport, um, this is something that I think we, we got asked from Jose and Chris. They were asking about, you know, getting to and from races and, yeah, and yeah, what yeah. the pitfalls, you know, someone had mentioned that they, they drove home, I think, after the race and they just were too tired. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Chris was trying to drive home from Roth after oh, the other okay. day after. So, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. So have some support if <laughs> yeah. you can. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I think also that depends on the distance. So again, sprint, Olympic, you're going to be fine. You, I, you know, I a have always made a point of not getting to know the course. And it's usually because of my sort of, I'll just get anxious if I'm like, oh shit, I know there's a hill here or that, but I'm changing on that. As I now know I can complete these races and it's not going to be an issue. I now want to know these things yeah. to help me. So this goes into, and also Anae had a question about sort of preparation for, 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 uh, for the race. And I think knowing the area and, and doing some, what I'd say is do some pre-work. Yeah. And when it comes to pre-work, firstly, look at all the details, sort of don't wait till the last minute to book your travel. No. Make sure you've got everything done sort of a couple of months ahead of schedule. I mean, for- Slightly different this year due to of COVID course, and that. Of but, course. You know, but, a lot of the travel companies are very flexible, yeah. so you can- uh, But you want to have, that. you know, all that sort of uh, ironed out. And you also want to know sort of like- the details of the race. So for Estonia, for example, the race village and, and T1, uh, it's, it's a, it's a separate, sorry, T1, T2. So the swim is in a different location yes. from, from the T2 and the, yeah. the finish and stuff, which is all quite a long, or it's a decent way out of Tallinn itself, sort of on, on the coast. So, you know, it travels going to be a little hard. You could waste a lot of energy walking backwards and forwards. So knowing where to stay, knowing how to get there, knowing race morning, what there's going to be a shuttle bus, do a little research into all those things just so that you know, and you've got it mapped out. Yeah. I've done all this and usually I don't. Yeah. <laughs> usually Perfect. someone like Brian is the one telling me these things. And yeah. actually, you know, I had my, I had my hotel booked last year, yeah. which is completely. But you know what? You've got me. all these stresses about yeah. the race itself. Why make any of the preparation around it stressful too? Yeah. What you want to do is make that all as knowable as possible so we want to know where everything is, how you're going to get there, how that's going to work, even like the timing of things. So I like to even sort of, I'll drop in a thing in my agenda or like write a, like a schedule for myself for two days and yep. be like nine o'clock, go for a swim, yep. 10 o'clock, take my bike. You know, like so all these things. So it gives you that structure and that routine. And you just, just follow that. And you're just sort of yeah. ticking the boxes yeah. there instead of like, that's what do I need tip. to do next? Yeah, that's a good tip. And you can find a lot of those even online of like sort of a suggested kind of checklists for these yeah. things, not just about one what them. to take. Yeah, I have that for what yeah, to yeah, take. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah. that for my, my kit bag and stuff. But yeah. uh, do that and then also study the area a little bit. Maybe even, you know, if you want to be, if you're in a, an area that you don't know too well or something, maybe even like find a restaurant or two first mm. so that you, you're not kind of walking around town yep. the night before the race, wasting energy, kind of finding somewhere that you can find, you know, food that you like. Mm. Um, do all that prep. And then one thing that I really recommend doing, find a few race reviews from people that have done the race in previous years yeah. and you'll get some nice photos that their friends and their relatives took of them while they were on the race and you'll get to know the course a little bit and you'll nice. They understand. never seem to make the GPX file available. Is there a reason for this? Or am I just not in the right loops, the right circles? Well, maybe because they changed the courses as well. Well, to, yeah, yeah. Brian had the previous one, but it's changed. So, it's changed, but why yeah. did the organiser not have a... I'm not sure. Some of them do, some of them don't. I've emailed um, them twice and they're just ignoring me. <laughs> <laughs> Screw maybe, them. It might just be it's not available if they've just changed it or I don't know. 
Uh, I mean, it yeah. has to be mapped out. I suppose. <laughs> but anyway. also something worth knowing for Estonia as well, for example, is if you're staying in the town in yeah. Tallinn, then to do a bike ride is quite hard. Like it's quite a long way to the course mm-hmm. and the city itself is very busy. But if you go down to the front, there's a kind of bank, uh, bike lane along the front, like only two or three kilometers. But if you go up and down that, that's your safest place to ride. Right. So it's worth doing a little bit of sort of uh, like where can I ride in this city? Or, you know, if you're traveling to somewhere new, look up like if I want to go out and do a training ride or I want to go and spin my but legs. But I can't do a training ride in Talon, right? It's just not just a two or three kilometer stretch. That's as good as you're going to get. Oh, because every, you're in the middle of a city which is surrounded by industrial areas for about 20, 10 kilometers in every di- oh, direction. Really? Yeah, it's horrible place. Like you, you'd have to ride on the sidewalk the whole way to ah. to be able to do a ride. Oh well, that'll be that then. So all these things are worth knowing and looking up. Like yep. where do local people ride? You know, like yep. look at some of those things or look at Strava for local bike or run yeah. courses. Okay, my Brian, do you hear that? There's no <laughs> there's no recce ride happening. Uh, so you want to go down before. to the mall and then <laughs> from one side down to the mall, uh, yeah, head, head east and you've got a, a little bike path along there and go nice. up and down there and that's as good as you're going to get. Nice. Um, okay, so training in the days before the race, we spoke a bit about that, about making a list. Um, well, was... training in the days before the race, like once, oh, sorry, once your tape is over, yeah. There's one, like everyone that I coach will know that they get one session, which is pretty standard before all A races. It's called 2020. And over the course of the day before the race, so literally the day before your race, you want to do a 20 minute swim, a 20 minute bike and a 20 minute run. 20 minute uh, swim ideally is at the race course venue, um, you know, where you're going to be swimming. So you're just going to get in the water. You're just going to do a nice, easy swim. You're just going to sort of, move around a little bit, get to know sort of where you're going to get in on the swim day, you know, all those different things. And then uh, maybe just do five sort of 30 seconds to one minute kind of faster efforts just to wake the body up a little bit. That's all you're looking for on the race day. If it can't be on the location, fine. If it's a swimming pool, fine, but try and do something there. If you're going to miss any of them, miss the swim. Right. The bike, uh, exactly the same. 20 minutes easy riding. That Mostly doesn't sound just like swimming. I can do any more than 20 minutes. Yeah. So. <laughs> we can go up and down. So, uh, but you know what? If you organize this well, that might be 20 minutes riding to the uh, the race venue, for example, mm. to drop your bike off the day yep. before. So you can start to schedule this and this is where the, like writing your own plan comes into, into play. But yeah, 20 minutes, pretty easy. But again, you want to put down maybe three or four, one minutes at kind of race effort. So just a little pickup, remind the body what it's like to go a little harder, nothing more. And then 20 minutes run and exactly the same. Most of it's easy. Maybe it's 10 to 15 minutes of even like warming up and a few drills just to get some activation in there. And then a few 30 second efforts, maybe 30 to 40 second efforts, not sprinting, just sort of race pace, maybe a tiny little bit faster but just do everything for a little while. Shouldn't be, this isn't training. This isn't accumulating fatigue. This isn't going to get you fitter. This is just about reminding the body what it's like to swim, bike and run the day before you're going to swim, bike and run a lot more. Okay. A question from Marta. Of all people, how do you stick a race sticker to an aero seat post? I I guess he wants to put more stickers on his bike from previous races. The answer here is like temporarily. Yeah, he he forgot to add (laughs) that. Not permanently. But I think he means permanently. Uh, So I think we saw a a good option in the group from Frankie. Put it right the way down on your... uh, Yeah. But... um, 
if you're not doing that, so uh, what I've always heard is you want to get, well, to get it equal, whilst it's on the paper, you get a piece of paper, right, which you sort of uh, untake, take your sticker off, and you fold it in half before you take the sticker off uh, and then put a fun. nice crease down the middle and then you know where the middle is on your aero seat post so yeah. you can kind of line it up. Yeah. And then you want to get it as high up on your bike as you can. So it's essentially sort of right up under your butt because that's where it's going to be, have the least aero sort of penalty yeah. for you because it's going to be in the shadow of sort of your thighs and everything yeah. uh, there. So um, and mo most importantly, take it off when you finish the race. Right? Oh, as Mark, soon, as, soon as you've got your bike out of uh, <laughs> transition, take it off. Take it off. And take and it off the it, helmet. You need and it take to it get off. out of transition. So yeah. keep that in mind. Don't exactly. take it off before you leave transition. Um, okay. Um, get your bike checked. So you, a lot of people, I'll be traveling, I'll be taking my own bike. So make sure there's everything. There's often, uh, if you go through all the manuals or whatever it is, whether there's either look for a bike shop in town or they'll yeah. recommend a specific bike shop yeah um it's worth book especially if you're traveling and it's a, your big race for the year go and get your bike checked yeah the one in estonia i think it costs like 25 euros for a service yeah and it's a little bit of a ball ache to get there but you know it, it's worth doing because if you get if this is your big race and you spend all this time training for it you spent all the time traveling for there you spent all the cost on accommodation and stuff and you get sort of 20 kilometers into your bike and your aero bar falls off or <laughs> you know they this has happened to me by the way <laughs> not in a big race but in a, a race i did travel for as uh, one of my very first triathlons went to the uk oh yeah and uh did I'd, you have the kids cycling obviously i'd undone everything you know to to put it into the bag and yeah. everything and It'd been on the back of a car on the way from London to a race. And I think just the jangling round of the car. Uh, listen to it under, and my aero bars just uh. through. So I had to go into transition, fasten them up again and go uh, again uh, in, a, in an Olympic distance. But do, you, do you take a pump to the transition aero? You don't need to because you'll find enough pumps around. Yeah. Um, if you're going to be there a little earlier, then you might want to get a pump just for training and for, you know, because usually you deflate your tires on the way there if you're flying as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, I, don't, I take a pump with me, but I never took one into transition. And I don't think I you just necessarily leave the tires need as to. they are. I yeah. didn't. It depends how anal you are on sort of having them, you know, do you want to set them the day before or, yeah. you know, anything like that. So, yeah. okay. um, but there's usually enough pumps flying around to. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then we're, we're, now we're coming on to race day. So pre-race, warm-up, et cetera. What, what should one do? So um, usually you would... I think it begins about 6 a.m. So you'd be aiming to get to the transition area to drop your bags and stuff. It usually, I think Give yourself you more time than you think. Yeah, yeah, and for sure. Because there's always distances between that you don't yeah, often know. And about. especially somewhere like uh, Estonia. So you have to get a shuttle bus yep. from the uh, race village sort of area to the race start, yep. which is sort of about a 20 minute maybe bus journey out of town. Right. So give yourself plenty of time. At the time you're going to think it's an early start. I want to get every last minute in bed. But again, I never slept before my first one. No, I don't know why. No, I had a rotten sleep. Uh, it's always <laughs> now I'm okay with these They always things. say like it's the sleep two nights before which counts because everyone has a terrible <laughs> night's sleep the night oh, before. Oh, it's rotten. I think no, I'll be fine this. Knowing day, you've but... got to get up early as well is always a uh, yeah. You start dreaming that yeah, you slept in and exactly. Stuff. So, uh, but. If you say like, okay, like 4.30 is an early start, but I can just about do 4.30, do four o'clock, because mm. you know what? Exactly the same as I say for a bike check. You spent all this time doing stuff. Yeah. 
have like 4.30 is like the arsehole of dawn yeah. anyway. Yeah. You know, half an hour is not going to make a difference at that time. You're going to be tired yeah. either way That's and you've got true. a long day. Better not stressing. The worst thing is to be there trying to get your stuff in, realizing they're about to start. And like, uh, again, goes back to knowing the course and stuff in Estonia, for example, the, uh, the T T one where all the bikes and everything are, it's about a 10 minute walk to the start, which is on the other side of mm. the beach. Yep. So you've got to give yourself time to get around there, get, you know, get the wetsuit in all those different things. So, uh, get your wetsuit on, sorry. So give yourself time, you know, yep. just, it's the worst thing to be rushed on, on the race morning. And you're going to spend half an hour in the queue for a portaloo as well. And yeah. all these things take that stress away. You, you, you should just tell this it. to my partner because she's always late. And this is her <laughs> whole life is about, you know, rushing. It does. Being it drives me crazy. Okay. So warm up for pre-race. Would you do a warm up? The longer the race, the less warm up you need. Yeah. Cause you use the beginning of the race for the warm up. Essentially. Yeah. And also you're going to be going less hard yeah. straight off the gun. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I would always so try half. to get moving, try to get the blood, like, you know, blood pumping a little bit more mm. for, for even a fall. Definitely for a half, I'd start to move. What I'd tend to do a little bit more of is sort of give yourself plenty of time in, in transition. You know, you've got everything ready. Your bike's ready to go. Your bags are ready to go. You're, you know, you've got your wetsuit ready to put on and stuff. And then maybe just start to do a few exercises, a little bit more like mobility stuff. Just get the body moving, going through yeah. a range of motion, just sort of stretching out, but sort I, of. I think um, Joe will have some tips on that from the previous podcast. Yeah, exactly that. About how to warm up. Yeah. Exactly that. Listen to that. Exactly. And, yeah. and sort of five or 10 minutes, just start to move even just a little bit like jogging up and down on the spot and yeah. sort of uh, arms around a little bit, just start to warm up to get ready to it, towards it. Now. Okay. Olympic and sprint that I would shove that into like sort of much more time. I would even for a sprint want to be doing sort of maybe five, 10 minutes of sort of running and, and a, get yeah. the heart rate. And look, oh. you, you might not be able to do this immediately before getting into the water, but you know, trying to do it before, like within the hour beforehand at least and starting to, yeah, it's like you want to feel good because you're going to be going hard from, from, from the word go. Yeah. Even if your heart is, you know, everyone's hard is different, uh, but it's still hard in a, in a sprint compared to mm. the amount of effort that you put in yeah. uh, over a longer distance. So yeah, definitely the shorter it is, the more warm up you should do. Okay. So you get in the water and you, you know, I, I can talk about my experience of my first race here. Yeah. You get in the water, you start swimming. and First of all, what, what's your natural, when are you going to get in the water? It's going to be probably a rolling start. Uh, yes. Yeah, Almost all races all nowadays are, now, yeah. Are, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So how are you going to approach that? What's so, your thinking? Yeah, so the usually, again, I've not done many of these, but they usually give you a couple of minutes before the start of the first wave to just go into the water and get yourself acquainted, shall we say. Um, I didn't do that with my yeah. other race. I've, I've, I've done both and actually neither is better or worse for me, I find. That Especially I for a 70.3, I don't think yeah. it makes a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, I just got in and I just went for it. I think the only thing that I've taken from my own experience is if I think I'm going uh too slow i probably need to go a bit slower <laughs> in the beginning yeah. like with my swim i settle into a swim uh, i've noticed i take three or four hundred meters before i'm at my rhythm yeah which is not great for a sprint by the way um that's <laughs> no, uh, totally normal though and um so i try not to panic because i've seen it everyone's going past you you're getting an elbow in the face and if you're not used to it you start to take it personal and you're like right you're getting it. You with the orange swim cap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you kind of go over it. And, but, you know, now it's a case of um, I just 
take it easy, get into my rhythm. And then I start seeing even me is passing people, you know. Yeah. Um, I've learned that through the years, not years of doing long races, just years of doing events where there's a swim and that is to to to, to settle in. Do rather you than, naturally tend to go towards the back of the field or yeah, would you? Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. How's that? Because I find You've been starting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I think I, when I done my one a couple of years ago, I was in towards the middle to the yeah. uh, lower end of the I was going to say, even if you feel like you're a weaker swimmer, People have a tendency to over. Everyone else has a yeah. tendency to overestimate their ability. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and one thing that's going to um, add stress to your race is you having to swim past weaker swimmers yep. who are gripping on for everything yep. and you, you know, like struggling their way through. Probably doing five well, after five hundred meters, they start to add some breaststroke in there as yeah, well. Yeah, you see a lot. You of know, that. so you see a lot of that. don't underestimate. Even if you feel like you're a weaker swimmer maybe put yourself a little further up the field. But then you're kind of doing what you just said. <laughs> yeah, but then you end up being with the people that you probably should be with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I think I'm pretty, I mean, I've not done it now, for a, a proper race for a while now, so I, I don't know where I am, but I, I don't think my swim is any better or any yeah. worse. But um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting point, actually, where, where to put yourself. Anyway, I've done it now anyway. I've given them my time, so it's happening. <laughs> so one thing I'd say is like, uh, look at the course. So, in Estonia, for example, you're starting at the south of the like the south of a lake. Yeah, yeah. And the course then goes clockwise. Yeah. Essentially. So that means that you're turning right into the boys. Mm. If you naturally tend to breathe towards your right, then start a little further out to the left of the field. Uh, just, yeah, okay. Then that'll allow you to kind of swim a little bit around everyone mm -hmm. and you'll be able to check on them by every time you breathe, you'll be able to see back. Yeah towards everyone yep. obviously you want to make sure you're not going way off left yeah, and you're doing yeah, your yeah, own yeah. thing Be careful, yeah. but it means that you can naturally if you have a tendency and the other way around if you breathe towards the left take the inner line but then it'll allow you to take that inner line a little yep. bit ultimately the end of the race you're only going to have an extra 20 meters of you know you've yeah. covered it won't make a big difference yeah. but it'll make you more comfortable to be able to look back across the field yeah. and to be able to see where everyone is and if someone is sort of flailing and or you are overtaking you can kind of give them a slightly wider berth rather than having to get yeah. involved in any sort of fighting in there yeah i've never really had much of an issue but i know some some yeah. people do and i think i'm just used to it and also i i, I set one and i just go for it yeah. i think that's the key thing is sort of um set yourself a thing. So usually maybe the first boy is like three, 400 meters mm -hmm. out. Just sort of give yourself some slack to then say, I'm just going to make it to there. And then, yeah. you know, and then I'm going to assess how I'm doing and how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have that sort of little discussion of like, is this a good pace? Yeah. Do I need to knock it down a little bit? I mean, yeah. but most people start way too hard. Yeah. That's what, the adrenaline's that's there. Everyone's the going. Yeah. 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 Um, and that doesn't matter, you know, allow the adrenaline to take you as long as you're not sort of sprinting, you're going to die after that, but yeah. sort of bring it down. Now, for the pacing for the swim, don't have, you know, you're not going to be looking at your watch the whole way through, of course. There are two ways to, that you can do this. And if you want to be sort of, uh, if you're, you're sort of racing more for time, I would say do a, a, a sort of a few weeks out, you want to do something like a critical swim test, which is uh, usually a 400 and a 200. Mm -hmm. And then find a CSS calculator, put those in, it's going to tell you your threshold pace. And then a, that is, a threshold pace is usually sort of like an FTP for swimming. Mm -hmm. It's sort of what you would do for a fresh 1500 meter, uh, swim, hard okay. swim. That's your hundred pace. If you add two or three seconds on, that's probably 
maybe even five seconds, that would give you your 1900, uh, a good pacing for a 1900 half Ironman do you, swim. Do you check your watch throughout the swim? I guess you do. So, no, I don't. Oh. But what I would do then is if I knew my, so to use my numbers, for example, my CSS is about 116, my, or 115, 116. I would look to race a, a half at sort of 118, 119 pace. Now, in the two, three weeks beforehand, maybe a bit longer, I don't know. But when, when I have a swim session, which is race pace, or I would have some sets which are race pace, I'd be looking to do that. And I would be trying to sort of like internalize how that pace feels to me. Mm, what does okay. that feel? And inevitably it feels a little bit easier in the pool for the first bit yeah. than it does. But then as it winds up, it gets a little harder. So I'd, I'd consciously sort of feel that way. Yeah. The other way to do that is without using the sort of thing is just next time you go in swimming, you know, if, if you're sort of more at the beginner end or you just want to get through the swim, experiment in the pool, go a bit faster, a bit slower and go, this is about the pace that feels right to me. This yeah. is how I want it to feel. How can I make some mental things? Well, I should be able to breathe easily. I should be able to, you know, how to, but sort of internalize how that but swim feels. Should you maybe you. not be doing that test in the open water rather than in a pool? Because a pool versus open water might be a bit different. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can do, but also yeah. then like, the, we're adding the wetsuit in as an advantage. Yeah, so they kind of weigh well, yeah. out a little bit. I, so. I tend to just go for it. I, I go in and I settle in after mm -hmm. three and then I just. It's, it's more a feel. I, I never check it my watch. It should be by feel, essentially, yeah. I never check my watch, in the, even in the pool, I only check it at either end. Yeah. <laughs> I've never, uh, I've never had, a, had a look under the water. No, and, and that's just unrealistic as well, right? Or, <laughs> although one thing you might want to do is maybe just from a confidence side, like um, you can add alerts to maybe get your watch to beep every 500 metres or something, just yeah. so that you know, okay, 500 in now, 1,000 in now. The chances that, though, I mean. You get a little vibration on a lot ah, of them, so. Okay. Uh, well, it's either that or something. I'll do something like that just because it gives me that sense of like where I am. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of, especially in an Ironman swim, yeah. like, you forget how long, like 3,800 meters, like <laughs> how imagine. long it takes, you know? So, and yeah. I think especially like the same for a lot of, um, beginner intermediate athletes for 1900 meter swim. Yeah. It's not often you get in and just do 2k. Yeah. So it can feel like it's going on forever. So, uh, maybe just add like every 400 meters or 200 meters, like just so that you've got that sense of like, I am moving, I'm getting through this. If you're panicking, well, I'm a thousand, I'm more than halfway now, you know, just give yourself those, uh, those little sort of like uh, benchmarks or milestones on the way to take yeah. off. Okay, so we we got a question. I think it was from Jasper, but I'm not sure. Is bike bike power versus on the bike power versus heart rate? Um, now I tend to use power for most of my training now, and I think that's what I'll be doing in the in the bike race. Um, what's your thoughts on it? I mean, I think everyone, <laughs> just from my own experience and watching cycling for so long and things, I think everyone would use power these days, but. Not everyone has if power. You, I was course. about to say yeah. if you have access yeah. to that, but I'm guessing if the question has been asked, then maybe they're thinking about it or have. Yeah. Okay. So let's work this from the top. If you've got a power meter on that you can ride on your race bike, so an outdoor power meter, not just a smart trainer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then again, three four weeks out from from the race, maybe do an FTP test. I'd recommend doing the 20 minute FTP test rather than a ramp test at that point, just because yeah. it's going to give you a better a better idea and I know it's harder, but it's a good More session. Accurate. Yeah. And then you're looking at between 0.8 and 0.85 of your, uh, or 80 to 85% of your FTP. And that you're looking for that as your normalized power Okay. over the course of the race. But you you would say use that over heart rate if you can. So better than heart rate if you can. Yeah. 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 
Um, okay. So let's say you've got 200 watt FTP, you'd be looking at holding 160 right. watts um, throughout your half Ironman yeah. race. Yeah. Okay. Now let's say you've got a smart trainer and you don't have a, yeah. a, a power meter on your bike. What you can do, do exactly the same thing, do your FTP test, all those different things, find out your FTP. You know that you're, so let's say the same thing. You've got an FTP of 200, so you know you're going to ride it, let's say 0.8. But like 0.8, I'd say, is conservative. 0.85 is if you're a bit more uh, sort of racing. Mm-hmm. And so let's say you 0.8, so 160 watts. Then a few days later, do a longer session where you've got a, a solid block at 160 watts. Let's say sort of 20 minutes at 160 watts. And look at your average heart rate or where your yeah. heart rate settles there. Yeah. And that's going to give you a pretty good sort of guide to where you should be on race yeah. day. Yeah. Now, obviously, heart rate goes up and it's down a, a lot tip. quicker, but it'll give you a idea um, of where you can be on race day. Yeah. Oh, just to return on power as well, when we talk about 160 watts, the ideal race looks like 160 watts from, from z- kilometer zero to kilometer 90, right? Yeah. Never yeah, going to happen yeah. like that. Yeah. And Obviously, there's hills got, sometimes. Yeah. Which is why I look at normalized rather than average power. Cause then you get rid of the zeros. Yeah. But what you want to think about is never go higher than threshold. So if your threshold's 200 Watts, even on a hill, you don't want to go beyond 200 Watts. Okay. Um, Ideally, much less. So it's think not always of, so easy, though, when you're getting out the pedals. I mean, I guess that's one of the questions. One of the answers: don't get out the pedals. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> don't push too hard. Like, yeah. like, allow that to because every match you burn is either going to come and like yeah, you're going to pay it back you. later in the in the bike in the or probably in the run. Yeah, that's so point. allow that to happen. And yes, some of the climbs are going to feel quite easy, um, okay. but especially if like maybe more experienced athletes, you could go a little bit beyond threshold here and there. Yeah. But um, to get it's through and tip. when you're wanting to generally just be fast, it's yep. the course of the day, which is fast, not, not getting to the top of the hill. Yeah. Then the, the other side of that is on the way down. If you're able to, and it's not just a, there's not, there's one smoking fast downhill in uh, Tallinn where you can see straight down the road, but you're not, you're going to be so fast that you don't need to pedal. Yeah. Um, but the rest of them, if it's a gradual downhill, keep, keep the bar on, mm. get the most out of it. Right. Yep. So you might not hit 160 Watts, but you might hit 120, 130 Watts on the way down yep. and you're keeping the power up. So you want to kind of smoothen it out, flatten out the gradient, but also allow for the fact that occasionally the wind picks up, it's more of a headwind or yep. it's uphill. So allow it to spike there. And the same with the heart rate. So let's say, You've done that section, you've done your 20 minutes at 160 watts on, on your smart trainer. You've seen that your heart rate's at 130 beats a minute, 135 beats a minute. Maybe uphill, you allow that to go to 145. Downhill, you allow it to come down. But roughly speaking, in the race, you're going to want to keep it around that 135 beats per minute kind of area. Yep. If you don't have anything... <laughs> well, what are you doing this for? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... You can still do a test. You could still go and do a sort of a maximum heart rate test and see where that is. And then look at sort of, you you can work out your, your race zones. And essentially you want to be about third sort of zone three. Uh, If you're a newbie sort of lower zone three, if you're more experienced up a zone three. Um, I don't think there'll be anyone. I mean, you can, I don't think anyone will be doing a race at least with a heart rate monitor, I would think. Yeah, but but that's why if you've only got a heart rate monitor, then go and do a maximum heart rate test and do it that way around. And if it's literally, you know, you've hardly done anything, just, you know, take it conservatively and just take it easy. And if it breaks, if you think you're going the right speed, go a bit slower. Well, I mean, if it breaks, I mean, if it breaks on the day and you've got nothing, 
actually by that point, it's a really good point, but you should have done enough training in the next few weeks then to know what kind of like, yep. if you've got no, we- no wind and you're on the flat, what does that 160 watts look like? Yeah. What kind of pace do you get out of that? Is that 28 kilometers an hour? Is that 30 kilometers an hour? So then on race day, you're going to know that if you're in a section, which is no wind and on the flat and you're doing 38 kilometers an hour, you're probably going too hard, you know? So you just have to use all those different things. But essentially if, in training, if you're able to, in that, those last few weeks, you're like, now's the time. Now's as fit as I'm going to be. Yeah. The power that I'm putting out now that's what I'm going to put out on race day. That's where I'm at. You're looking at all those things. So what does my heart rate mean at that rate? You know, at that power, what kind of speed do I get? How do, again, internalize it. How does it feel? Cause chances yeah. are the, the first sort of, uh, hour of a ride feels pretty easy at that yeah. pace. <laughs> and it's only as you get into the second and the third hour that it feels yeah. much harder. Yeah. So internalize all those things and make, you know, make those cues for yourself that I should be breathing pretty easy. Yeah. You should feel comfortable. Okay, and then briefly, we're going to finish on racing. Uh, sorry, running and pacing, you know, how, yeah. how, how to go about that. So when I'd done mine, it was, I walked all the aid stations. Yeah, perfect. Um, to, that was my breather. And I actually stretched a bit. My yeah. lower back was giving me a bit of grief and I would just do a stretch at the end of it. What should one do there to pace? I mean, ideally, if you've got a watch, you can work out your pace, I guess. Exactly, no, same no. again. Yeah. So again, looking at your, you can sort of work all these out based on zones, but yeah, yeah have an idea of what you're trying to run on the day. Yeah. Um, make it realistic. It's like, If you know what your half marathon time is, it's nowhere near that. Yeah. I'd say it's probably... 10 to 15 minutes slower than a fresh half marathon time is what you're looking at. Yeah. Um, and again, you can look at that for your training runs. So do some training runs in sort of lower zone three, look at what your heart rate is at for that, because then you can use that as a guide on the day. Yeah. Um, one thing I think the first kilometer or two, as you come off the bike, don't look at your watch and just run slowly. Yeah. Whatever you think is slow, run slower. Yeah. Run almost as slow as you can for the first kilometer or two. Then look yeah. at your watch. I guarantee it'll be 10 seconds faster than you intended to go. <laughs> um, and then allow yourself that sort of time without sort of looking at everything, you know, to go uh, from the start. If you're, if, you're, if you're super experienced, you can run a, a half marathon on a 70.3. If you're slightly less experienced, I'd recommend walking every other aid station. And by walking, what we mean is a fast walk from maybe five meters before the aid station to yeah. five meters after. And these are it, huge aid stations on Ironman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's, so that's maybe a 20 meter walk, right? Yeah. It gives you that moment to slow down, maybe stretch a little bit, as you say. Uh, mentally, I found it quite good because yeah. I saw it coming up. And it sort of breaks down the run into yeah. little segments then, yeah. right? But also, it's much easier to take liquid and, and nutrition on. If you're, if you're walking through it, even at a fast run, then it is trying to do that mm. w- running yep. and keep it all down as well. Yep. So especially, yeah, you say like my, for her first rate, her first uh, 70.3, I'd recommend someone like that walks every single aid station. Lots of people are like, no, I want to run the whole thing. But what you'll find is by walking that from the very first aid station, Allows you, to you run. do run the whole thing, yeah. except aid stations. Yeah. If you don't, you hit 10 kilometers and then you walk the whole thing. So <laughs> Good advice there. And the same for an Ironman as that works up, right? You'd work exactly the same sort of advice, even though it's done slower. Um, the more experienced you are, the sort of the more aid stations you might skip or, you know, only grab it on the run. But um, the, the less experienced, I'd, I'd walk every aid station. As you go to the shorter racing, then obviously you can discount that. I think 
unless you're very, very new to something like uh, Olympic distance and it's that 10 K run still holds maybe a little bit of, um, I don't know, a little bit of fear for you. You're like, yeah, I know I can get through 10 K, but I've never done it, you know, or I've never done it on the back of a bike. Maybe then think about sort of walking one aid station halfway through yep. just to sort of get that reset and that thing of like, okay, I'm 5k, I'm going to get a gel in. I'm going to have a drink. I'm going to cool down. Yep. And you're walking literally maybe 10, 20 seconds and then go again. But if you're more experienced than that, you're probably going to run the whole thing and how, definitely the same for a sprint. How do you carry your gels in the run? Yeah. So I, I uh, tape them all together. So it's one thing and then I can shove them down my pocket or in my shorts or in my the top of my tri suit or And so they all the rubbish so you keep the empty ones on that one thing. No, I'll, I'll sort of then undo it and fasten, ah, right, okay. fasten it. Yeah, I've done that. I do that on my yeah. bike. I'll but tape, to be honest, I'll probably only bike. take three or four and then I'll try and use what's on the course for the run. Um, oh, okay, okay. The beauty in a half if you, the more you can get in on the bike, if you could get a hundred to 120 grams of carbs in on the bike, you could probably get through the run on a gel Yeah. at that point. So yeah. think of the bike as the opportunity to, to fill for it for your run. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so that's it. You've done the race. You've got an amazing time and you've got the medal and you've got the t-shirt. Um, you're really happy. You're really happy. You've called your mom. You've got- <laughs> <laughs> um, You've got your qualification spot in my case for yeah, Kona. You, you've, you've paid your 20 grand to go to Kona or whatever it is. <laughs> what advice have you got for the for after? Yeah. Um, Immediately and then maybe the day after. We need to be quite brief. <laughs> so the day after, if it's a, a big race, uh, an Ironman or a 70.3, for example, do something. Yeah. Uh, don't stop. Take your bike for a 20 minute spin before uh, putting it in the bag or something. You're probably not going to want to run, but you might swim, but do something, get the blood yeah. body moving, get the blood pumping. It's going to make ride. everything feel a lot better, a lot yeah. sooner. I'd done a bike ride and it was the worst feeling ever getting on the it's bike. It's going to feel horrible. And actually it felt good. Oh, yeah, pretty I was good. going to say great. And that's a lie. Yeah. It felt quite nice getting off But the all bike. that stiffness. And to yeah, be honest, if you're even sort of uh on a half, you might be done by sort of lunchtime, two o'clock, something like that. If you're picking your bike up and you know, you need to get back to the hotel, 10 minute ride there, 20 yeah. minute ride there. You might, you'll, again, it's going to feel horrible. It's super easy. It's going to be the easiest ride you've ever done, but even do that then. I had to um, do this after my ultra marathon, which I'd done in the snow. Yeah. And I came back and I was obviously in pieces and no taxi would take me back to the hotel because I was so wet. <laughs> so I had to run back. I had to oh. do two and a half kilometer run back oh, to the no, hotel. No. <laughs> After my ultra I'd have been crying oh, the whole way. It was way. rotten. It was <laughs> rotten. It was terrible. But just, right. yeah, do something. And then obviously fuel well, uh, hydrate really well. And maybe don't drive straight back home like Chris did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't do that. Right, so we're at the end. Um, thanks for that. So that that's what you need for your race prep, all in one package of a podcast. You can even listen to it on the plane. Um, so now we're, we're coming to the end. So we usually end on what we're reading, what we're listening to, what we're watching. Um, Matt, what have you been watching or listening or reading? Or I got a book, which oh, okay. um, it's been around for a little while, but I uh, just found, well, it just came across sort of... Uh, my e-reader and it seemed like good timing. So uh, it was recommended to me a couple of years ago, I guess, but it's by uh, Peter Cossens and it's called Full Gas and it's essentially a history of tactics in bike racing. And uh, if you're just getting into racing or, or you know, you've, you've been sort of, your interest's been peaked by the Tour de France, I really recommend it. It's not just sort of a pure geek book, but it looks at sort of how tactics have evolved and sort of what it's like to be in the peloton and 
the thoughts that they have and how a sprint sets itself up and all these different things. Really interesting. Really recommend that. I, I, I predict you're going to become a road racer on the bike. Uh, over the year or two, I've saw your interest in cycling go up yeah. and you're still doing triathlons and stuff, but I can see At it. the moment, it's uh, I, I, I pivot to being the world's worst mountain biker, to be honest. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I should talk to you about <laughs> that. But yeah, yeah, I, I see it. I can see your, I don't know. I think you'll start road racing. Whole different. I, I came from, uh, I don't want to say road racing. I've done some road racing, but I was never competitive. But pure cycling but background. I came from pure cycling yeah. and road racing is, is mental. Like when there's elbows out and you're getting pushed and, uh, yeah, goes into all that. Every Thursday night was, that was what we done back home. Crit series. So, uh, it's really cool. Um, what have I, so I'm, I'm I was listening to something called the Lazarus Heist. It's about North Korea um, trying to pull off a massive um, cyber fraud of a bank in Pakistan, I think. I'm not that far in. Is that podcast? Yeah, podcast, yeah. sorry. Yeah, it's really good. It's a BBC thing. And nice. um, I'm also kind of glued to the, the GCN app, the Global Cycling Network app for the cycling at the moment. Yeah. So as everyone knows, I'm a huge fan of the, the Tour de France. And the problem is I put it on sometimes in the office I get no work gets work <laughs> and then I'm like yeah. I'll put it on yeah. and I'll turn the commentary down and then I see it and I turn the commentary up because someone's crap it's a nightmare so I've had to stop myself putting it on during the day and catch up the highlights do that the, the last hour maybe I almost missed my swimming tonight I was late <laughs> to my swim because I had the GCN app on I was, I was actually listening to the I actually saw the stage finish when I was stepping into the car out here <laughs> so um, yeah I need to stop that <laughs> but anyway that's it so that's us you can find all previous episodes of this on, on on the website attack uh, slash club punt nl slash podcast you can find us on instagram and all the usual places but on that happy racing and we're out subscribe rate and review attack the pod wherever you listen to podcasts find show notes and links on attack-club.nl and leave comments questions and suggestions on instagram at attack.club happy training and racing